This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast. I have proudly presented, I'm sure, by the Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. And that's not important right now because I have in the room with me Matt Wilson. Hello. I also have Levi Endelman. Hey. Um, we're breaking with tradition this week. We're not having, we, we only have two current students and we're bringing in two alumni to the show. Say hello to Catherine Turner. Bonjour. Graduate, uh, <laughs> graduated in 2009, right? 10. 2010. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And Nate Curl. Hey. Who graduated in 2000, I'm going to guess, 2011, uh, 12. Seven. Seven. <laughs> I'm glad I still look this young. many. See, on an on an ordinary week, I would uh, I would do research, I would look up things on the internet, I would uh, pour back through student records, maybe <laughs> disciplinary uh, files. Disciplinary yeah, files. That, no, I wouldn't get, do that. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. Uh, but this week we're having the Examine Life Conference, and it just so happened that uh, these two guys, these two alumni, were uh, were uh, were coming to to visit and so i wanted to have them on the show because a uh they were big time members of our friends in the writing and humanities program and uh and b all around cool people so thank you for coming thank you for having us what have you been what have you been doing uh since last we met last we met well dave i was here last year for the exam of life conference um so I'm, i'm guessing you mean since i i left Carver College. Um, I did a pediatrics residency at Stanford University. And then uh, after that, I went to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and the University of Pennsylvania to do a combined uh, adult and child psychiatry fellowship. And now I'm working at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia doing adolescent medicine and child and adolescent psychiatry. All right. Nate, what about you? Uh, I uh, left in 2007. I went up to Regions Hospital in St. Paul, Minnesota. I did my uh, residency in emergency medicine and took a job. Once I finished up there, took a job in the Quad Cities and working in the community emergency medicine there uh, on the Iowa and the Illinois side of the river. Well, so guys, Matt, Levi, you can see these guys are big shots now. Mm. They know everything there is to know about medicine. Um, this, is, uh, this is your chance to uh to pick their brains about their experiences uh do you have any questions that you want to ask them anything that you thought oh i'd like to ask them about this is there anything either of you wished you had done differently kind of in in medical school (laughs) well that's a loaded question (laughs) (laughs) of course you just remember you can't get uh expelled now yeah you can't get dismissed so i can say um you know, I think it's easy when you're in medical school uh, to get focused on memorizing facts and taking multiple choice tests. And the reality is that that's that's great, I guess, if you if you're good at that. But the reality is is that patients don't come with a multiple choice uh, 
sheet of tape to their chest to help decide what's going on with them. So the more time you can actually spend uh, perfecting the craft of, of interviewing, examining a patient, and trying to understand really what's going on with them, that I think that's, that's better than learning to take tests well. Yeah, I think that the one thing that I would have done differently is actually maybe spent more time doing the things I tell medical students to do now, which was sort of taking care of myself. I spent a lot of time in this building. Um, and even though I'd set aside time for no studying, I wish I'd actually spent a little more time doing things that I was really interested in. I was, as Dave mentioned, a big fan of humanities. It's been a, I think I probably spent every time I wasn't in the hospital in this office. But I wish I'd taken more time to pick up my violin lessons, um, spend more time going down to the library, which I didn't really discover until I was an M4, um, and doing things that weren't so intensely studying for something that I was going to pick up anyway. How, uh, what have you guys, um, so how, how have you been able to pursue those interests, I guess, since the, you left medical school? Has that been easier or have you found new things that you've been interested in or, or rediscovered old things? Um, well, I kept writing. So mm. I wrote a lot when I was a peds resident um, and I, I started reading again. Um, so I got a big fat new television right before I um, graduated from med school. And it actually stayed in a box for three years because <laughs> it's out of date then. Yeah, you got to get a new one. <laughs> actually, it's it's still good. It was like an HD blah blah blah. Oh, nice. But um, I actually read a lot more than I used to. I I started reading more and um, even listening when I have to do long drives to books on tape. Mm. Um, I'm still looking for a violin teacher, uh, but I but I have my violin and every once in a while I take it out and scare my neighbors. <laughs> I would say yeah. I guess. I guess my involvement with the arts is a little bit more passive in terms of I take it in. I'm not as participatory in the arts as, I, as I'd like to be, so that's part of the reason why I came to the conference this year. So I still like to uh, hear the symphony or I like to hear other live music. Um, I like to, to read as well and uh, definitely having more time on my hands where I don't have to read journal articles or textbooks or whatever else where I can choose what I want to read uh, has been very nice and uh, just picking up yeah, new things that I that I wouldn't have otherwise uh, picked up to read has has been actually very nice too. What kind of stuff do you guys read? Do you read things that are like related to medicine or adjacent to medicine, or or totally like different, or both? So I guess there are some books that I read that that do deal with with health or with wellness. Um, I also just like to read plain fiction. Um, one of my good friends from high school actually just put out his second novel. I'm going to give him a blurb. Because he's a graduate of the Iowa Writers Workshop, so oh, cool. Peter Bignani. So okay. he's a good friend from high school. So he just put out a second novel. So that's what I'm reading right now, actually. Um, so what's I, the what's the title of that novel? It's Things I'm Seeing Without You. Is his second one. His first one is The House of uh, Tomorrow, which is being made into a film. Right. Wow. Nice. Thanks for the bloom. Yeah, cause yeah. I'm gonna go check that one yeah. out. And it does deal with death. And well, anyway, yeah, you can imagine. I uh, I try not to read too much stuff related to medicine when I'm reading for fun. I mean, I read my JAMA blurbs. I read my pediatric blurbs because um, I think it's important for me to stay on top of things. But mm -hmm. mostly I actually read young adult fiction. Oh, wow. And when I find something good, I find a patient who needs that book. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I pass on a lot of books to patients, mm -hmm. um, particularly when kids are really struggling. There are a couple books I really like to give to kids when they're really struggling. What are they? Yeah. So one of my favorite books to give to kids is um, by Owen Colfer. It's called Airman. 
it's a great book about betrayal and perseverance and finding out who your friends are in the middle of like the worst possible thing that can happen. Mm. Um, and then it's about redemption. Mm. Um, and it takes place in the life of a kid who from like birth until he's like 17. Um, mm. It's, it's really, it's fascinating. It's, he sort of discovers airplanes. Mm. Wow. Do you feel like um, reading that kind of literature kind of keeps you connected to the mindsets and the experiences of being a childhood and adolescent um, psychiatrist? Do you, do you feel like that helps kind of keep you connected to what they're, you know, maybe going through in their lives or gives you a window into sort of the inner life sometimes of that uh, demographic? Or? Yeah, I think it's helpful. Um, the disclaimer is before I went to medical school, I was actually a middle school teacher for 13 years. Oh. Um, wow. So <laughs> that's, that's a good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it helps, it helps me keep me, it helps keep me connected, but it also helps me connect kids to a world that's a little bit different than the mm. high paced, uh, Instagram, Snapchat world that they live in. Mm. Um, and sometimes it really can change some of the way that they're thinking because things are not glossy and, and immediate. Mm. Um, I kind of want to know more about your teaching career and how you got into medicine uh, after that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. Well, when I was seven years old, I wanted to be a pediatric oncologist. Um, it's pretty heavy for a seven year old. Yeah. And people would say to me, pediatric oncologist, they're like, well, what people would say is pediatric gynecologist. And then, oh. and then I would look oh. at them and I would say, Oncologist. Yeah. <laughs> it's the study of tumors yeah. with my little pigtails and my like 36 yeah. inch self. Um, Let but... me, the seven year old, explain <laughs> to you the different fields of medicine. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> when I was six, when I was six, one of my classmates had died from leukemia. Oh. But they didn't mm. tell us he died. They just told us he wasn't coming to school anymore. Mm. So one of my other friends and I went over to his house and we're like, hey, can he come out and play? And the look on his mom's face when these two kids come to the door because her kid's been dead for like two weeks, but we didn't know he was dead. Mm -hmm. And then I learned all I could about what is cancer, what is leukemia. So, um, and then I um, kind of set this like life path of becoming a doctor. Um, I did, I grew up in Colorado, so I joined the Colorado Wyoming Junior Academy of Science, did lots of research as a high schooler with an excellent science teacher who really sort of um, fueled my interest and provided me lots of opportunity. And then I went to college at Bryn Mawr and suddenly the, the weight of being this close to being a doctor became really stressful. And I developed severe test anxiety. Mm. Not the kind of test anxiety where you kind of are over it through, but the kind where one day I'm getting a test and as it's coming down to me, my test goes from having words on it to being four blank sheets of paper. Mm. Where I would literally couldn't see anything. I, there'd be nothing there. Mm. So, um, yeah, I didn't do very well in two of my science, pre-med science courses. Um, there's always a, a big secret when you, when you don't do well, but yeah, so. Um, I've been there. Yep. <laughs> I've been there. Not, not with uh, nearly that type of anxiety, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I didn't, at the time, I didn't realize what it was. I was just like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. um, and my backup was to be a teacher. I didn't really want to be a teacher, but that became my backup. Um, and it turned out I really liked teaching. Um, I did a couple of uh, survey courses. I had to do some, it's sort of like shadowing a doctor, 
where you sit in a classroom with a teacher. So one of my first assignments was with first grade girls at a very gifted school. And I was doing an internship with um, four boys who all had autism before autism was cool. Um, mm. And so it was interesting to me to see how these kids learned and how they shared information. One being very bright and sort of at the end of the spectrum and the others sort of being at the other end of the spectrum. And that's when I realized the spectrum was really a circle because they were really right next to each other on that circle and mm. I, I got fascinated. I thought I'd be a second grade teacher, but it turns out I really like adolescence. So um, I became an English teacher and I taught English for 11 of the years I um, was a teacher and then I taught science in the summers and my last year of teaching my glide gear, um, I was a science teacher. But then you changed gears. I changed gears, yeah. Um, yeah, what kind of led you back? Uh... It's, it's kind of a funny story. I um, was teaching seventh graders and we were talking about, I was teaching this unit called belonging and kids had to figure out who they are, where they are, what do they think they're gonna be. And there's a journal entry where they had to write, what am I gonna be in 20 years? So one of my students says, 20 years, in 20 years I'm gonna be 31. I'm gonna be old and crusty. <laughs> and oh. I, and oh. I, what? what a sweet child, man. Oh, yeah. Well, the kicker Four years was from now for me. Right, right, the kicker was I had just turned 31 two weeks prior. Oh, no. Harsh. And I was like, great. Ouch. I'm apparently old and crusty. They must have not thought that about you. Though, well, they, so well, they, they didn't thought know. you were younger. Yeah, yeah. they must have. I don't know. So then. <laughs> or they did. Or they did. Exactly. This, kid, this particular kid. Then another kid said, well, Miss Turner, what did you want to do when you were our age? And I said, oh, I wanted to be a doctor. And there's a chorus of kids, why aren't you a doctor? Why aren't you a doctor? And, um, and I said, you know, uh, well, I really wanted, you know, I like teaching you guys, it's important. And, and there was one kid who drove me crazy. He was completing seventh grade for the second time. Mm. And um, he was in the corner, not really quite participating. And he said, how can you tell us to follow our dreams if you're not following yours? <laughs> Why did he sound like Dirk Yeah, was this a seventh grader, like a, also a 60-year-old man? Like. Yeah, I mean, like, I think he, when I tell you he was repeating seventh grade for the second time, I don't think it was his first time around on any other grade either. Huh, okay. um, he was definitely an older kid, and it, it really hit me. Like, it just struck me. Like, mm. why am I not following my dreams? Because I would still tell people, you know, when I'm done with this teaching gig, I plan to go to medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a time when there's a lot of teachers in sort of humanities, but not very many science, um, the math teachers and the state of Maryland had a scholarship, the Krista McAuliffe scholarship that would, uh, allow you to get tuition and room and board or fees, um, up to like the, the maximum of the, the flagship school, which is the university of Maryland, mm-hmm. um, in college park to pursue a different, to pursue a different path. And mm-hmm. so. I decided I would become a chemistry teacher because if I, all the requirements for a chemistry major are also all the requirements for pre-med. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided I would do it for one year, cram everything into one year. There was a one-to-one match. Ooh. So you had to teach one year for every year of the scholarship that you got. Mm. So I literally crammed all of my pre-med stuff into one year. Oh my goodness. Um, with, <laughs> with the exception of second semester physics, which I took during the spring of my last, of my glide year. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I went back to school. I, I set a three-year plan. I, I did everything and in, in, it kind of fell in. Um, and I was teaching eighth grade science. I came out to the University of Iowa for an interview in December and uh, 
the rest, you know, it's history. Mm. Wow. You didn't have any kids say they wanted to be a pediatric oncologist, did they? No, but you know, actually, what, what kids tell me now, they all want to be cardiothoracic surgeons. Interesting. Hey, that's what Levi wants to be. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe. We'll maybe. see. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Because there aren't that many <laughs> cardiothoracic no. surgeons. I, I don't know what show apparently right. like is inspiring kids, is but I've literally had probably 15 different kids, including when I was here. Um, and we, we did like mini med school. Mm-hmm. This little kid was like seven years old flashbacks she comes up to me and she's I was like what do you want to be when you grow up because every other kid is coming to do mini middle school they're just having fun right she's got a clipboard she's all she's ready. like in medical school yeah I, she's like I plan to be a cardiothoracic surgeon I didn't know what that was until I came here I want to be a sub 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Uh, so your experience you had a very considerable teaching background um, before medical school do you feel like um, you still use things you like that that background bleeds into your career as a physician now or or how have they influenced each other I guess oh absolutely I mean one of the things I love about being a doctor is that I get to teach Mm -hmm. I get to learn and teach every day which is what I was doing as a teacher Mm -hmm. sometimes people would say well you're a teacher you're not really learning my kids taught me something every single day Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I learned a lot about how to talk with parents as a pediatrician, as a child and adolescent psychiatry, you never have one patient. Yeah. You have a patient and you have the family. And mm-hmm. if you can't actually get them all on the same page, then, you, you, then you're going to fail with your patient. Mm. So all those parent-teacher conferences, all the times I got emails <laughs> about how their kid really didn't do what I saw their kid do with my own eyes. <laughs> um, my kid would never do that. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm sure you just misunderstood. Um, that actually really, really prepared me to work with parents of kids who are sick. Um, it's, you know, Nate works in the emergency room. I spend a bunch of time moonlighting in an emergency room when I was doing my psych fellowship. And there are times in an emergency room where you have to make a really important decision and you have to communicate that to a family to get them to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, I don't think I would be as good at that if I hadn't been a teacher. Mm. I don't know. I mean, Nate, you could probably talk about that too. Yeah, it's it's tough. And especially, yeah, when it's time to make a critical decision about, especially with relation to a, a child's care, you have to, it's tough to establish that rapport with somebody that, you know, you're probably, for most of the time, you're meeting these parents or this child for the very first time. And it's, it's always a challenge. Um, so that's that's probably one of the biggest challenges is it's not figuring out the diagnosis. That's pretty simple. It's not figuring out the treatment plan. Like that's pretty pretty easy most of the time. But getting, you know, making a connection and getting that across to the patient and or the parents, that's the that's the tough part. Every that's the challenge every day that that I um, that I undertake, and I'm glad to undertake it too. It's not like I don't enjoy the challenge, but it is a challenge. You guys. I have a listener question that I wanted to uh, pose to you guys because uh, it's nice to have a it's it's nice to have not only medical students in the room but people who have uh, you know progressed beyond medical school and and gone on to to uh, to practice medicine and she's it sounds like she's looking to get into medical school at some point in the future and has this question There are three main things I need time for they are healthy home cooked meals good solid sleep preferably at least 8 hours and time and angry for physical activity. I have heard stories from all stages of being a physician, and they do not sound healthy to the individual. I grew up with the saying, 
that in order to help others, you must take care of yourself first. Do you make active healthy choices to take care of yourself? Is there even time? How about your meal situation? Do you cook or eat frozen dinner? Thanks so much, and I look forward to hearing your discussion. I did. First of all, let me just say, Radiohead, fitter, happier, everybody. It's, it's just like regular exercise at the gym. Enjoy a home-cooked meal now and then. No more flushing spiders down the plug hole. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't warn you guys that whenever somebody writes in, I run them through a text-to-speech uh, thing instead uh, okay. of because I would ra- I mean, I love whenever people... Uh, Nicely played, mate. Send in a pig in a cage on antibiotics. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, if they write in, I'll run them through the speech processor. If if they call in, then I will use their voice. So Mm -hmm. either way, I will take it. I'll take a swing at that question, actually. So I think as a resident, uh, my diet was mainly uh, Trader Joe's frozen dinners, which went from the Trader Joe's freezer to my freezer to the microwave to my stomach, to the garbage can. <laughs> that, And I was about 20 pounds heavier than I am at that time, honestly. Um, since then, uh, now that I'm an attending physician, I have a lot more free time. I garden, I grow my own vegetables organically in my own backyard. Uh, I do cook uh, most of my own meals. Um, I, I enjoy cooking more so than my wife does, so I end up doing a lot of the cooking. We do buy a lot of uh, meat and produce from the farmer's market in Davenport. So I think there is a time where it's possible. As a resident, I was just so tired and had so little free time that making conscious, healthy choices was difficult. I guess. Yeah, it's hard. Per- personally, for me, it kind it kind of depends on just what's the stress level of that that week. Uh, so I mean, our our exam schedule here is like every other week. So. I mean, there are weeks I try to do, you know, on our off weeks, I try to do a lot of meal prep and then, you know, have that last until the next week. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, then, you know, I might not make as many healthy choices. And same same kind of situation with, with sleep, you know. it's When I sleep really well when I can, but I know when I, when I can't and I have to just get things done. Yeah, uh... It's just, it's a triage situation a little bit. Um, I, it's it's you know everybody wants to make themselves a priority I think, but um, it it gets pushed down um, below you know studying and keeping up with assignments and making sure you're keeping up with the material. Um, so it's a challenge. I mean I think you have to manage your time well. Um, you have to plan ahead. You have to. I think what Levi said about meal prepping has really uh, been a key. Um, I, I personally, I have uh, a really amazing uh, girlfriend who's also a student who uh, is is like a superhuman. Um, and I think she took pity on me. Like when we first were kind of starting dating, she was like, "Oh, like." you know, I, I bring lunch, you know, I bring my lunch. I can just bring, you know, a little extra for you. And I, you know, I kind of felt bad about that. Like She's I was like, like, you look sickly. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's, I mean, she does, you know, she's really uh, great at that. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm thankful for that. Um, that's what I was going to say. Cause I, I, I don't know how she does it. But. Well, we've tossed around things like, like we had the pet show, um, the, the pets discussion a couple what? of weeks ago. I missed it? Yeah, you did. Oh. People were like, oh, I don't know if I have a dog in med school. And one of the things I kept hearing was, uh, 
from my co-host as well i have somebody i live with who helps me you know like a significant other or a roommate or whatever mm-hmm. who helps me do yeah this it's thing. cheating i mean <laughs> it, it works but she's also a student my girlfriend is, she's also a medical student so she doesn't have any i mean she does more things is in more you know involved with things than i am so yeah she's Sharing the responsibility. He's just a more well, uh, competent person, I think. <laughs> I think. I think the other thing that happens is that you ha- you really actually have to schedule time. Yeah. So yeah. I learned after my first semester in med school, this was not going to work. So I scheduled every Saturday morning. I had no I had no plans. It was my time, mm-hmm. and I scheduled whenever I wasn't on rotations to have Sunday morning off so I could go to mass because that was really important to me. Yep. And um, I cooked. I lived at Firo for a semester, and then mm. I, and then I didn't. And I would cook, and I'd have my Firo buddies come over and have like a, a meal on Sunday night, so that we could have mm. downtime. Firo um, is one of the medical school fraternities for those who aren't aware. And I lived there for three years. <laughs> well, how about that? Actually, actually, I think that's how Nate and I met. Oh, yeah. Um, how do you say that? Yeah. But one of the things that was um, for me important when I was tutoring was to tell people because I would look at their schedules, you have to just be a better time manager. Mm. Um, and one of the things you have to do as a medical student, if you want to stay sane, um, which is a legal definition, um, <laughs> is you really need to just schedule time for yourself. And then you can't usurp that time. Yeah. So you can't say, oh, well, I was going to take a nap at this time that I've scheduled a nap, but instead I'm going to go with my buddies and go back to the lab. You just yeah. have to make your priority. Um, it is it's possible to do it we i had classmates who ran the chicago marathon i had classmates who did all kinds of things they were doing before medical school and part of that is because they scheduled it into their schedule that's advice that was echoed among the co-hosts um when i posted this question to our uh, co-host group um you know i heard things like you know if you prioritize three things and don't screw around with that you know it's going to be it's going to be fine um, that was from Kylie. Other people said things like slow cookers, uh, grocery delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Hy-Vee will you know deliver a hundred bucks worth of groceries uh, with no delivery charge. Um, so that's kind of an, you know, I mean, you have to be comfortable with getting the produce that they select for you. But mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that. I mean, just finding little little efficiencies to get that time back that you might say go to the grocery store. Um, it's funny that you mentioned Trader Joe's because one just opened yeah. and I'm going this, to it this afternoon. This <laughs> Big damn news here in Yeah, ours. everyone's oh, real yeah. excited. Think- <laughs> yeah, one of my friends who's an attending is like, will you come back now? Because <laughs> <laughs> we have Trader Joe's. What yeah. else could you want? Uh, well, yeah. I, I Amazon to- just bought Whole Foods. I mean, you never know what's going <laughs> to happen. That's true. Right? I used to literally drive when I was co-mayor of Bean and we had um, uh, our, our fall picnic and our spring picnic. I would drive to Batavia, Illinois, mm. to the Trader Joe's <laughs> to get lemonade. <laughs> wow, just the lemonade, wow. Well, I mean, I get other stuff, but it, that was the that was the reason I went. And part of it was I needed a break from being in Iowa City. Right. Mm, yeah. And and part of it was I, I needed to get my Trader Joe's fix. Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, five minutes before your next session. Okay. All right. So um, I should probably let you guys go to that. But I want to thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. Uh, and for coming back and I hope you'll uh, she comes back all the time okay you live 45 45 minutes minutes away and I haven't seen you in like I know uh, 10 years 10 years too long so uh, please come back I will okay
it's easy for All me right. to get over here. Yeah. All right. Well, I wish you guys luck. Thank you. Remember, Thank you. if you ever hit a wall, uh, there's lots of support out there. Um, and, and take advantage of it. Thanks. Yeah, thank you guys for coming thank in you. and talking with us Thanks today. Thanks for having it was, us. Uh, it was really fun. Awesome. All right. We're going to... I apologize for the short show this week. I am uh, running this conference and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so I'm going to also move on. I want to thank uh, Levi and Matt for joining me for the short show this week. For the short coat. <laughs> short show, short, short coat. Podcast the short, week. short coat. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by... Uh, uh, Dr. Vox. Uh, Dr. Vox. Vox. And our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week.